0: Welcome to Schizophrenic Reads, the podcast. This week, we're gonna take a little bit of a break from books. It's a holiday weekend here in the US, so we're gonna be talking about some broad topics and questions that I get asked a lot. So we're gonna go a little bit behind the scenes look at what being an influencer like and and kind of the space and how I got into it. So we're gonna be covering 10 topics, and I have my partner here with me who's gonna ask these questions, and then we're gonna kind of just work through them uh, I don't know how long this episode is going to be. We're just going to have this little conversation between us. and
1: Just vibe it out. Just
0: vibe it out, yeah. So um, without further ado, well, let's just get into it. What's the first question?
1: Okay, so I have famously said that it is harder to live with an influencer than it is to live with a schizophrenic.
0: Yes. Ever since the start of our relationship, the schizophrenia component hasn't really been a big issue for us.
1: Well, I think it works out that, like, with my mental health issues, we have very similar coping mechanisms. So there hasn't there hasn't been a lot of issues.
0: No. Because I think for the most part, the thing that we've both, like, recognized that we need. I think it need... helps
1: we also struggle with the same things, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or getting out of the house, difficult. So yeah. we just stay home. And we want space from each other, but space to ourselves. So just, like, having our own space in the house to, like
1: maintaining things is hard but we also recognize that like oh things are going downhill (laughs)
0: yeah yeah so the mental health component i mean it's obviously like complicated our lives but not really our relationship that much like it's really not been that difficult
1: whereas influencing (laughs) but
0: i did become an influencer within like the last year and a half i think
1: honestly it circles back to like Coping. And so for you, it's just like a thing you're doing. But then for me, it's like, oh, interruption time because now I have to be quiet because you're recording a little video. You
0: do, you do hate that. And I try not to do it that often, but like especially a lot.
1: But things that just like happen abruptly are just like I don't handle it well. Like I need a forewarning. And so I think a lot of times, like, oh, it's video time. And I'm just like, why well, I wasn't
0: ready for video time. <laughs> yeah, I don't, like, schedule out video time. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I have an idea. I want to get into it. I think, weirdly enough, you've almost handled my, like, v- really viral videos, like, worse than I have. Like, because you go into my comment section and you look oh, through the yeah. things that people say about me. Because
1: that's the thing. I don't always watch your TikTok.
0: <laughs> no, no, you don't.
1: But I will go through the comments
0: yes. of them. Yes. And I don't. Like, I tend to just stay out of my comment section. Unless it's, like, a really underperforming video. Like, if it's, like, a video that has, like, three comments, I read all those. I'll often respond. But if it's a hit, you're the only one out of the two of us that is checking to see what is going on. Well,
1: people can be really silly. (laughs) They can be really silly, and I just don't appreciate it. And so I'm just on the other side of the screen just getting angry.
0: We've also had just, like, the, I think, the shared awkwardness of me being recognized in public on a few occasions i think
1: that i anticipate that happening more than you anticipating
0: happening it's now coming to a point where it's not like i don't think it's a narcissistic thing but we always have a conversation before we go to an event or a thing kind of
1: like jokey like how many people are gonna recognize you this time yeah
0: and we're it happens often enough that we're you know that we kind of yeah we kind of try to like I don't know makes ourselves aware that it could happen so it's kind of fun to play a little bit of a guessing game if it is going to happen and like
1: yeah or like someone looks at you it's like are they looking at you because of your appearance or (laughs) because they know who you are
0: yeah that's also that's a weird thing now it's like am I being recognized or am I being like viewed as like, am I a total sloppy mess in public or am I hot or am I like, why, why is that person across the room staring at me? Right. And
1: I think I have the thing now of like when people approach you, I'm like, when they're like, oh my God, hi. Like, I know like you from TikTok, but and then they're doing their whole spiel and like having that little moment with you. And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, how do I come off as, like, cool?
0: <laughs> I have the same feeling. How do I come off as cool? Because it's I'm so not cool in that moment.
1: It's like, I don't want to seem, like, put off that, like, I'm suddenly, like, the third wheel of a situation. And so I'm like, how do I make this, like, so they're not thinking about, like, me in this moment? Yeah. Like, so they can have their little moment with you. <laughs> like, am, am I cool right now?
0: I... I have a feeling, no offense to the people that do come up, I, f- I have a feeling none of us are cool in that moment. No. It's just a lot of just anxiety for all parties. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah. We're all just trying to be cool.
0: Yeah. We're not good at it, though.
1: No. I try really hard.
0: <laughs> you do, try harder than I do, I think. <laughs> all right. What's the next question?
1: Uh, what do you get out of influencing?
0: It's a weird thing. I think there's. I think it's just been an endorsement of, like, that I'm. I'm in the right trajectory of where I'm headed with my career or the broad scope of, like, what I'm doing with my life is generally being beneficial to other people that, like, so many people get something out of how I spend my free time and stuff. So I think that's nice. I think there's a little bit of an, an endorsement of my lifestyle because it's helping so many people. And I, I think, like, I've had some weird comments in the past of, like, wow, like... What I do is so economically beneficial by, like, selling so many books. But at the same time, I, like, I came into this whole thing just because I wanted a way to cope. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but...
1: Can I also rat you out a little bit? Uh, sure. You also used to be, like, that cool jockey kid in high school. So I think in, like, your popularity with influencing, you get a little bit of that, like, validationness from oh, outsiders. No, that,
0: like Absolutely.
1: That I just imagine comes with like the jock territory.
0: I've also always wanted to be famous. Like, that's a not so secret part of me. Yeah. No. Like, I've always wanted to have
1: that's
0: some recognition. And um, the fact that it's coming from book influencing is like a kind of. Because
1: you do have an ego. Yeah. Which is part of your charm. It's kind <laughs> of, ang- it's like upsetting. Like, I like
0: work it into yeah. it, like, being a halfway decent person. Yeah. I don't think I let it's it like intriguing. get too big. You know, no. like I don't this is not. I think it's just, what
1: draws people in though. I think it's like yeah. having confidence without seeming like a dick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's like an important yeah. part of it is I don't know. I think there's just a lot of validation from this. For sure. And validation in, in like a good way, because I don't want to be I don't really like long for validation in a lot of other ways. Like I don't want to be like a model like I I don't want my validation to come a little bit I mean like as a side gig I do (laughs) but like I don't want validation only coming from my looks but I also don't want only validation coming from like only my intelligence or only the fact that I'm like a schizophrenic like I kind of want it to be a little bit of everything and like tiktok I
1: have to imagine it's refreshing too after like doing the mental health advocacy stuff to now have recognition for something that's like outside of your mental health
0: like I didn't just like get unlucky with being diagnosed with schizophrenia. Like I actually chose this, and I worked it myself into it. And I didn't like. I know I use schizophrenic reads as the username, but that was more of like a lark to myself. Without right. you know Plus really it gets
1: the people to comment. Yeah,
0: a little, a little bit. Or it also, I'm sure you've seen these comments. It's
1: what is it bait and switch? <laughs> bait and switch. It's the old bait yeah. and
0: switch. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are upset that I use schizophrenic reads as my username because.
1: Oh, because they're like, my brother was schizophrenic. It's like, yeah, hello. Well,
0: same here. I'm I'm one of those brothers with schizophrenia. <laughs> but yeah, people constantly are like, why Why do you use this as your username? I mean,
1: I can. I think if I saw it too, I that would be my first thought. Is like, I hope you're schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah,
0: I have had a lot of just accusations that I'm just not schizophrenic, and like,
1: you don't seem schizophrenic. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty yeah. consistent pretty yucky
0: yeah all right let's go to the next question pretty
1: well into our next one why did you choose book talk over like
0: mental health talk oh yeah i think it's just because i was in advocacy before i got into the book influencing space actually before march 2020 like with the pandemic i was traveling the country doing public speaking stuff and working with nonprofits and really like heavily invested in the it was really cool advocacy space And just over time, I became so disenchanted and just kind of hated it because it was... I imagine
1: very emotionally tolling to, like...
0: Yeah. I just had to, every single day, basically tell my story of, like, here's the trauma that I've experienced. And, like, please value me as a person while I'm, like, sharing really hard things about my life. But I think also, I, I, I don't think people quite understand... Book talk is. I mean, you're kind of vying for your space on the internet with any type of influencing, but with advocacy, you're vying for your like your freedom, your like your sense of worth by like competing trauma sharing, experiencing with other advocates, and I I, I know people it's think just like there's hoping
1: your experience is like more traumatic while also being more relatable or more intriguing. Yeah.
0: There's there's some definite negative qualities about book talk and book influencing. Like there's uh, so much little drama, but when little drama like happens in the influ- in in the advocacy space, it's it just feels gross. Can I get like it,
1: really nerdy with it? Sure. It's like in high school when I was doing band and choir, and at one point the choir director pulled me aside and had to talk to me about how, like, in choir, people take it more personally than they do in band. Mm. Because it's, like, from you, yourself. Mm. I mean, I think it's more because choir bitches are just way more dramatic, but who's to say? But I think it's the same thing with, like, mental health stuff. Like, if you're getting negative input, it's, like, you and your story. Whereas, like, if you're doing book stuff, it's just, like, what you're reviewing and Mm -hmm. not, like your lived experience. Yeah.
0: I just didn't want to have to tell my story over and over again. I didn't want to have to compete against other advocates. And I also think like the the structure of the general mental what health care system is bad.
1: not who you are. That's what I was going
0: for. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that like makes sense. And like the machine like uh, the machine of like an instrument is I use books to get myself out. Like if you're you're playing an instrument,
1: like that's what you're doing. You're playing an instrument. But if you're singing, it's like, that's what you're producing. (laughs) It's
0: just who you are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think there is like that inherent value. I don't know. I, I just think advocacy is such a toxic space for my, my time in it. And I also think the only way advocacy works as a, as a field, as a career to get into is you're either working in a nonprofit, which in my worldview is a, it's a pretty depressing part of society that nonprofits exist the way that they do. And so I just had this like constant back and forth with myself about how bad the system was. But then also if I ever wanted to make any bit of money, if I ever wanted to get off disability, if I ever wanted to like really make it big in the advocacy world, like you have to play well with pharmaceutical companies. This is literally the only option is to either, you know, write a book or it's to, Get most of your funding. Well, it
1: seems like the book talk community, from like an outside perspective, just seems more supportive. Whereas, like in the mental health, like there's definitely like you get your people where you're your support groups, yeah. But it just it seems more competitive. Well,
0: then you're like vying against other illnesses, and so it's a weirdly like. I don't know. There's not a lot of solidarity in my experience with the disability community, like being in the mental health and then being it further into like the severe mental illness category. Like we're basically put up against, you know, autism and depression and, and you know, like all of these types of things, you're always like vying for your own
1: trying to validate. Yeah.
0: It's, it's really, uh, I don't know. It, It was a really kind of emotionally harmful place. I, there was some good that's not to say it's all like an evil institution but
1: yeah i mean i think just like the act of it is good too i mean whether like their personal experience is negative i think the act of getting up and sharing is i also
0: think i w- I think
1: it's great because we talked i don't know i'm very much like people like oh like you have to share your story i'm very much no you fucking don't have <laughs> right to share yeah. your story but I do see the value and, like, appreciate people who, like, are compelled to share. Because I think that does make a huge difference.
0: I also did not even know what TikTok was by the time I quit advocacy. Like, I oh, had completely right. left advocacy. Yeah. And it wasn't until almost an entire year later that well, I yeah, I mean, then the started TikTok. pandemic
1: hit. Yeah. And that's all anyone could do. And I
0: can't. I, it took me a full year to get on TikTok. Because I, I downloaded it right when the pandemic hit. Yeah. And I hated it. I thought it was just, like... The most
1: because uh, we didn't know what an algorithm was. Yeah,
0: it was it was a, a horrible experience, and I deleted the app. And much I later, I tried it again and had some fun with it and found Book Talk and yeah, you know that all cats. happened. You found cats, cat talk, cat talk, just all of it, which is now mostly our entire feeds is just sending cat videos to mm-hmm. each other. So
1: a healthy
0: amount. Uh, unhealthy amount for sure. Yeah, I mean it's detracting us from like doing normal things in life but i'm happy with it okay okay yeah i think that's fair all right what do we have for the next question
1: just the simple statement economics of influencing yeah
0: so i wanted to talk about kind of influencing and book influencing as a economic system because i think there's something that uh people broadly don't quite understand is like how money can be made Uh, The first way that a lot of people are familiar with is running ads on your page.
1: I think it's automatically assumed like once you hit over a certain amount of followers, like you're making money.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's
1: not the case. It's
0: almost like an inverse thing where like my account.
1: Sorry. If I wasn't with you and I just saw someone with your amount of followers, I would assume they're making a healthy amount.
0: (laughs) Yeah. no, Not like
1: a salary's worth. (laughs) Sure. But like a steady income.
0: Yeah. I think there's like a sweet zone of probably like the fifty thousand follower range where you can get, uh, you can get companies to pay you to make content and they can pay kind of what you're worth. But I think once I once you hit probably like a hundred thousand, it becomes a little bit more difficult. And there's there's opportunities out there, but you know it, my fair rate for my account is you know one video for about sixteen hundred dollars, and not a lot of companies are willing to pay that for like a one minute hit video that, you know, most of the time isn't a hit video. So it is kind of just a weird, like it it can be hard to find companies to pay you what you're worth. Also, there's a lot of companies that if you listen to like insiders, people talking about the book talk spaces, a lot of companies will hire you to make a video and then like getting them to pay is a really difficult process. So running ads is a it's a really difficult thing unless you unless you're the person seeking them out. They can they can be few and far between. They cannot pay your actual market value, and uh, there's just a really arduous process of going through the filming process with these because there's so many stipulations and and you have to be really cautious about who owns the rights to the the video that you're producing and can it be cross posted, all the, the all of those types of situations. So making money in like the very normalized standard way is difficult. Also, what TikTok pays you, I think people are familiar with that enough now that, you know, on a 2 million view video, you might make 50 cents, you might make a dollar, if that, like the getting money just from your views on TikTok, unless you're what in the top 1% of creators or top 0.001% of creators is basically an impossible way to make a living
1: donkey sponsorship. I need
0: a Duncan sponsorship for what though? What are the, what is like, what is my
1: start holding Duncan while you're reviewing? Oh yeah. Just,
0: I'll just be the Duncan schizophrenic reads. Just add Duncan into my username and see if, yeah, is that enough for
1: Duncan wants to be associated with (laughs) schizophrenia? I'll get
0: a Duncan tattoo. If they pay, I'll get a, you little would. donut neck tattoo.
1: We want to get matching
0: donuts. I'll get mine on my neck and you can.
1: Not get mine on my neck.
0: Oh, well, that's sad. Um, but also, I think with the economics of influencing, influencing has basically just completely changed the industry. It's completely changed how we perceive social media. And social media is now like you're supposed to use it to better yourself while also it is now paying worse than it used to. So like the opportunities, like people's accounts are getting bigger and they're making less money. And it's just kind of this constant, like I think this like bigger societal I think pressure. I it's sad
1: that it's like changed the dynamic of what an influencer is. Because before it had been like, if you're an Instagram influencer, like that's your job. You're right. And whereas now you're having to influence plus work your full-time job.
0: Yeah, there just isn't that that many routes to, like, make it as a pure influencer. I mean, unless you just have, like, silly number of followers. I just – I don't know how people do it. And I think it's also really difficult because you basically have to constantly sell your audience. Like, the people that are following me are my means to earn money. And I I don't know. It's It's a really weird way to view my audience as, like – They're just the economic engine that drives my life. And I don't, that's honestly why I don't really run ads on any of my pages because I just, I don't feel like that's a great way to view my relationship with these strangers that follow me. But the only other way is really through like patronage, like Patreon of people just donating money. And that's a difficult thing too to ask people, like, hey, I know you like my content. Please please give me money. Like that's also, most of these people are struggling financially. And like, I know that. And like, it's just, it's just not, I don't know. I I feel like in our mind, influencing is something, but now that I'm like kind of at the precipice of the small time influencer, like it, it's also seeming like a pretty toxic environment as well. Um, So economically, I just, I don't know, I I don't know where to go. I don't know how to, you know, I thought for a while building up an audience might be a path off of disability and stuff, but I mean, unless my audience grows by 10 times what it is, like, it still also just doesn't seem, doesn't seem possible. Like, with 100,000 on Instagram, I'm no closer really now to economic freedom, (laughs) you know, like, so, I don't know. it's I mean, for people that run I ads think and stuff, that, like
1: the best thing that comes from a big following is just like the networking that comes with it, yeah, and it's that's just, just assuming you have aspirations to do something else mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and I'm new enough on the Instagram scene that I haven't like had opportunities, but I'm sure some will present themselves over time, and I mean, honestly, like well, I when mean, I you've go met
1: publishers and stuff, yeah, that's pretty huge. that's something you wouldn't have had otherwise, right.
0: So I don't know. I I think just like a a little tip of advice if you're looking to get into book influencing, uh, but but I guess the broader influencer space, like be really realistic and probably even a little negative towards the idea of like it as an economic way of supporting yourself because it's just, I don't know that it's out there. I don't know that it's achievable in quite the same way unless you build a absolutely massive platform and honestly probably if i had this same platform but lived in new york or la i would have more opportunities like living in the midwest with a big size following it means nothing like it doesn't get me access to anything it doesn't like provide me more opportunities um you know as compared to other locations where it could be pretty a pretty big deal to have a good size audience and even Chicago, you know, like where there are... Yeah. Well,
1: there's just opportunities to present how many followers you have.
0: Right. But yeah, in, uh, in Indiana...
1: No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. They're but, just trying to live their lives.
0: Yeah. Except people find it weirdly impressive, but then they just ask all like annoying questions. Like, wow, how much, how much money did you make off of that picture? And you're like, well, no, nothing. I, I took it myself. Just for fun. <laughs> just, just for the lols, you know? So it is kind of a weird thing.
1: Okay, our next question. I find kind of funny because I didn't realize that people didn't read nonfiction. I thought that was the default. Right. So for you, <laughs> what made you choose nonfiction over fiction? Because I didn't know that was an option we had. Yeah,
0: so you're you're also a nonfiction reader. I am a nonfiction reader because I
1: didn't know I had an option to read fiction. <laughs> and now I'm just not interested. Not
0: interested. And I've tried a little bit to get you into fiction, To no success. I have no interest. Yeah.
1: My favorite book is nonfiction, though.
0: (laughs) No, your favorite book is fiction. Oh, fiction.
1: That's what I meant. Sorry. (laughs) My favorite book is fiction, but I have no interest to read others. (laughs) I'm just assuming that's the only good one.
0: Yeah. The only good fiction book that's ever been written.
1: Yeah. Thank God I found it. (laughs)
0: Um, No, for me, I've just always, like, really loved learning. I've always loved... Just spending time thinking about things, and not not that fiction doesn't do that, but nonfiction just does it in a different way that's more focused on a topic. And I just love getting obsessed with something for a few days and thinking about it. And
1: well, I think it's because everyone's like, "Ooh, fantasy books are so good," and I'm sure they are. I love The Hobbit because who doesn't love The Hobbit? I love. Fantasy, as far as the Hobbit goes, <laughs> but it's like for me, like the natural world is fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I feel and like because I read
1: a lot of nature books, mm-hmm. and so for me, like that, that is equally fascinating.
0: Yeah, and it also like it shows me how much I don't know, which yeah. is a really fun part of my reading experience. Is like is learning more about a topic that I thought I knew, but then exploring it in a new way through a new lens or a new viewpoint. Like that's always a really exciting thing. I also think there's. But I, I just, think it's
1: fun to also read something where you can tell like that person is also passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just nerds being nerds.
0: Right, and I don't think that comes through in quite the same ways in fiction. Like no. obviously, fiction writers I think are very it passionate. Comes
1: across in fiction is like it's just a good book.
0: Yeah, they're like they just really liked telling this story. But with like nonfiction, you're devoting years like, of your life to research. It. Yeah. yeah. I think, for me, it's also harder for me to, like, imagine or picture what I'm reading with fiction sometimes. Like, I I do so much better within, like, the literary fiction scene, like, modern settings and places that I you know, I'm at least somewhat familiar with where I can actually picture what's happening in the story because when it comes to like fantasy and sci-fi.
1: I just thought we were all reading nonfiction. (laughs) It wasn't until I met your friends they were like, oh, when I told them I was a nonfiction reader. I just thought we were all reading that. Yeah. Like we're all adults here.
0: Yeah. Well at least at least in our nonfiction stuff, neither of us care for self help. We're not we're not interested. (laughs) We're, We're boo. But, yeah, I think with my illness of, like, trying to figure out reality, of trying to, like, cement myself into where I am in time and place and thinking about the world, nonfiction just – it's just so much easier for me. And I also – I don't struggle with it in the same way that a lot of people do where it's, like, it becomes too consuming. Like, very few times in my life has that, like, have I felt completely out of my depths or, like, completely emotionally destroyed by real stories – and I don't know, I just, I I enjoy it more, and I think there's...
1: Right, that's the thing, too. A memoir, a memoir is a great story to get it, like, dissolve yeah. into.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, for me, memoirs are, like, my way, if I need something with a little bit more narrative. If I need something right. that, like, has the story, then...
1: Like, you can still have something that has a storyline. Yeah.
0: And now that I've, like, gotten into this space and, and spent so much time in books... Like as you get more ingrained into these communities, you just learn about more things that you want to read. So, like my right. TBR before book talk was hundreds of books, and my TBR now doing book talk stuff is thousands of books, and so many books that I will never ever, even uh, I will never purchase or have my hands on, and I will never read most of these. But I just like I now know that they're out in the world because of how many conversations I'm having about books in general. So. It just, I think,
1: like, yeah, that's what it's like. I just like knowing that it exists. Yeah, I think that's also what nonfiction is. I read about stuff in nonfiction. I'm like, I'm glad that this exists.
0: Yeah, and I think both me and you, if we read a good nonfiction book, we're pretty much looking then for something similar. We want that same author. Or We want yeah, the same topic. Right. We want to like continue learning that same thing in like a new way. Yeah. So it just kind of it keeps the spiral going because I think the fascination just doesn't die down. For either of us I know mm-hmm. I consume a lot more than you do But a lot more. we just want to keep going You in a little bit more narrow framework Because you mostly just like
1: I do memoir and nature That's yeah. basically
0: my scope And oftentimes a nature memoir <laughs> Like <I love laughs> nature trying memoir. to combine them as much as possible And for me I, I don't read I don't know I think people think I read so broadly But the more, the, more time I've spent reading Probably the less confident I feel about how broadly I've read so and we're going to get into that soon too, because I think the next yeah. question is
1: what's up with you reading U S centric books.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's probably one of the biggest criticisms that I've gotten since doing TikTok. People are pretty displeased with me sometimes about how most of the books are, you know, histories of the United States or take place in the United States. And, uh, one of the things that I think should be kind of obvious is like access to books, uh, Living in the United States. Especially
1: reputable books.
0: Yeah, most of the books that we have access to are, you know, a good portion of them are talking about, you know, outside of like the world history genre, basically every memoir that we get that does big numbers that you see on bookshelves, most of them are from US people, maybe they're traveling or whatever, but like they're pretty US centric by nature you know just living in a and i think the same thing's kind of true based on whatever region you're in like the books in your country are often that country's like viewpoint however i'm also not reading in order to learn everything out there i've mostly wanted to dive deep into the topics that i have already been fascinated with. And so my interest in reading more about, like, U.S. foreign policy and U.S. wars and U.S., like, political history has been because, I don't know, I feel like my education was really bad. And the way that I grew up in, like, the political alt-right, like, ultra-Christian way, like, I, it took me decade to unlearn the things that I was taught about how this country is structured and going from like a very capitalist mindset to a communist mindset. Like I'm still like relearning kind of even basic things about our history and our country. And it's like one of those things that we talked about is like once you get into a a subject, you might broadly know it, but there is always more and more in-depth ways to go into it and i want to start branching out more and i want to learn more about you know african history and asian history and you know places that i don't know that much about and i will but i'm also just reading the stuff that i want to read <laughs> like i i and i think that's hard sometimes for people to like well, totally that's process it's
1: like like you said like you're having to relearn things so, of course, you're reading U.S.-centric stuff because you're still trying to, like, fucking figure out yeah. what's going on on our side. Yeah. And, like, I don't even think that a lot of people have, like, dived into that that's true for themselves, too, is that they don't really have the actual view of, like, what the U.S. has going on. Yeah. Because they're just going based off of their education, which is notoriously not
0: great. And I, I have found so much joy by reading really in-depth things. Like, I can read a 1970s uh, political philosophy book and really, like, understand what was happening at the time and, like, get into those topics where I couldn't pick up that same in-depth look at the French government system because I don't understand it. Like, I would have to start over my learning in every other location. And with U.S. stuff, I can just keep diving deeper. that's,
1: like an important thing to point out too because like with you and you're like influencing in the videos you're oftentimes explaining things to people Mm -hmm. so i think like it's important to point out that you're wanting to like be in depth about it because of that
0: yeah so i i think it will be something that will change and it does you know i i have been trying to pick up more over time but i think also people just assume you know i read a hundred books a year i could just switch to reading a hundred you know world history books or whatever and it's like that's just not that's not realistic either um right it's it takes time and i still feel like i'm learning how to i don't know figure out what i what i'm reading from time to time anyway now like i don't know i'm a very much a mood reader so just picking up things like oh i'd really like to learn about this thing today um It's just kind of random for me. So I don't know. Maybe I should put myself on a little bit more of a curriculum. And probably when I do that, I would like to be more structured with like doing it for the podcast and doing it for a YouTube video or doing it for a project where I can learn about something and have conversations. Cause if it's just left up to me, you know, I'm probably just going to focus on the things that I want to focus on. And I think also people use my TikTok as a public good. However, it's my hobby like right. i know i put it out in the world but at the same time i'm just making the videos and reading the books that i want to read because i want to do that and i'm unless i'm going to get paid for it unless i'm going to make my life like i'm going to make a full income from giving the people what they want i have to just provide myself with my own interest to to fuel my own free time and keep myself interested and keep myself going because it, this is not a paying thing. This is not, you know, I'm not I'm not being paid to pick up each book. I'm just doing it because, I don't know, I'm interested. And I don't think people quite understand why I can't pick up every single book they ask me to.
1: Yeah, it's all for you, Damien. It's for you. <laughs> it's for you, yeah. Okay, all right. So in theme of absorbing knowledge and you said getting more structured, Funny enough, you don't take notes or annotate. What's up with that? Yeah.
0: I think ever since college, I've, you know, I did in college, I did that a little bit, but I don't, yeah, I don't take notes on basically any book that I read. And even when I do the podcast so far, I've basically just read the book and then afterwards, you know, taken like a one page of notes. I'm not an
1: annotator either.
0: No, I don't. One. I like I'll my write books. Down,
1: if I read and I see, like, I'm like, ooh, that's a good quote. I'll write down quotes in my notes. I do ad, that occasionally, which is too. bad because I also don't refer like what book it's from or anything. <laughs> it's, just it's just random in, notes. Uh huh. Yeah. an echo chamber.
0: Um, I don't know. Like I said, this isn't a job. I don't have to like learn everything from a book. But also, I don't read nonfiction you to learn.
1: So much though. Like for me, when I'm reading. I like have the facts as I'm reading it and then as soon as I shut that book You're
0: like, I've never heard I of got this topic.
1: Nothing. <laughs> like I'm sure if like someone brought up the fact of like, oh yeah, I knew that. Could not like regurgitate anything. Yeah. Though.
0: I don't know. I just rely a little bit on my natural like ability to mem- like memorize you are some a things. Smart boy. Uh, but at the same time. I don't know. I just like doing it for fun. And like ultimately, I think if I annotated nonfiction and I took notes on it, it would feel like I'm studying for a test. Well, I think and, it would
1: consume so much more of your time. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and like ultimately, that would take up so much time doing that and being so intentional with every book that I would just consume less.
1: You get burnt out. I Which imagine.
0: is. Yeah. I think it would honestly probably lead to burnout worse than me trying to read 150 books a year yeah so it's just more comfortable for me to just read the book read it kind of quickly you know in comparison to most people and then jump to the next thing and I you know because I own so many of these books that I read I can always go back and refer to it I can always try and you know I'm a big table of contents nerd so if I want to go like check out the bibliography or i want to look at a certain chapter that i learned something in i can always just go reread that well i
1: think you too you're very reflective and so like you're not mm. just reading it you're taking pauses to like think about what you just read i
0: think that's the biggest thing is because i i don't i don't just sit down and read 100 pages i read 10 pages stop for a few minutes to think you know, whatever. I, I'm, like, constantly... Especially when I was smoking, it was, like, every little smoke break that I had, I would walk outside and basically just think about what I was reading. It and then sounds come back so to nerdy, It sounds so nerdy,
1: but that's how I am when I read poetry books. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I need to actually stop and, like, think about what they're trying yeah. to do. Because for me, it's not, like, an, just, like, an innate thing to, like, see all the symbolism and everything. So, like, when I read poetry, I'm, like, I need to, like, sit with this.
0: I also think just, like with the degrees that i have but then also the amount of stuff that i read you just become better at processing the information anyway so like i don't feel i need to take notes on a book because i'm mentally doing the same process without taking notes well i
1: also feel like for you that's what like creating your tiktoks is too is just like another method of like reviewing the information you just took in well
0: that's how the tiktok started was a way for me to have like a public journal like, it wasn't so much a reviewing yeah. thing. It was like, hey, here's a thought that I had about this chapter that I read or whatever. And, you know, TikTok I for me has about, about changed like a little that. bit. It's like but a
1: little journaling. That's, yeah,
0: that's why I started TikTok that's in the first cute. place. So I did kind of want to take notes through TikTok. And then, obviously, TikTok and Instagram have just, you know, become their own kind of thing. But, yeah, I just don't... I don't think it's necessary to take notes. I don't think I need to memorize everything in these books. I think I... Like I said before, I'm just doing this for fun. And I find consuming a ton of information fun. And (laughs) yeah, I'm a nerd. So I'm not going to take notes because, you know, if I go to grad school, if I go do my PhD or something, I'll probably annotate things. I'll probably take notes. I would
1: hope so. You know how pissed I'd (laughs) be if you got a PhD without taking
0: notes? I have never. Fuck off. Never done anything. No. No, no work.
1: Okay. Speaking how this is like for you and something you enjoy. We have a tidbit that's the internet is no longer personal. What does that mean for you?
0: Well, I think it's just like accumulating so many followers and having so many eyes on me on the internet. It, it just, it like, it makes me understand that the things that I post should, I sh- you know, like almost should have a reason for it. I'm not like a shit poster by nature and I'm not super funny. So I'm not just out there like making bad posts for no reason. Like... I feel people want something from me, and I feel kind of some need to provide at least some measure of that. And so, even something as simple—people who
1: follow you—it's more intentional. Like they're following you like for a reason, whereas like other people, they're following it because like for the like the laughs of it. But like, oh, this was funny, and like people actually have to like want to want your content.
0: Yeah, I also just think. I there's some bit of me that when I'm posting like on an Instagram story, I understand that two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people can see it, and I don't want to waste people's time. In some sense, like it's a weird, like that's probably the the most that I think about the audience is like if I post this, it's just going to annoy people. If I post this, like whatever, and so like trying to be somewhat people-pleasing with some things, Um, but then realizing like if I post something like that I want a response on, I might get 75 messages, which is just exhausting from time to time. And so I can't post the same way that I used to. And also with like having received a good amount of death threats, I mean something that we've kind of done in our personal life of posting is i don't i don't tend to post where we're at when we're at that place like if we go to a soccer game i'll post it two hours after we've left or if we if we go to a bookstore i'll post it the next day or something like because i don't
1: which i I think is honestly good practice for i think for
0: anybody that's a, a very fine thing to do but realizing there are definite eyes on me yeah. and realizing that uh, there are some people that
1: are very upset about what <laughs> very
0: you're upset with what I create. Um, yeah. It's just, you. you like, I don't think it like dips into any type of like psychotic paranoia, but there's definitely a sense of like, I don't know, people are paying attention to me and it just makes, it makes really simple things like talking online, like a little bit, higher stakes and that's i I mean i think that's the trade-off is like growing an audience and having more opportunities come from becoming an influencer the trade-off is that just these places are no longer just fun personal experiments with
1: that like i understand like that would happen to anybody with any like larger amount of followers with you like saying like people are watching you not just like in a negative way and positive way. Do you also like have the feeling of like people are watching me because you're schizophrenic and like, they're going to view what you're doing as like a symptom instead of what you're actually feeling or like realizing.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's also a worry is, you know, if I post anything that's just like a little off base from what people think I would post. A little unhinged. Yeah. Whereas I, more
1: people have that allowance in day-to-day life. Yeah. Whereas like if you did that.
0: I've, I've always felt that way. Like even even before having a platform, like I've noticed, I've always known how much I'm monitored by my friends, by my family, oh, by sure. everyone. People are always trying to see if yeah. I'm doing okay. And now that there's so many more eyes on me, it's just like an added layer of that, which, you know, these internet strangers are not looking to me uh, to like try and, you know, hospitalize me, but it is just this constant, you know, like kind of self acknowledgement well, that. also,
1: like, I don't know. I for, am
0: being observed.
1: <laughs> for people that are like looking for that, like a slip up like that, that they can interpret as like you being psychotic, it's also. Like, they're in the mindset of like you being psychotic is a fault or like a slip up or no longer like valuable.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: You know? I don't yeah. know if I worded that right. If that no, makes
0: sense. I, I think I understand because it's just, I feel like if I ever had like, like pretty just like severe do psychotic symptoms. you everything
1: you've like, yeah. quote unquote, taught. <laughs> right. Just because like you had a symptom.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I just feel like when I'm posting something, I have to be careful now more right. than I ever did. You know, and I think TikTok was actually a pretty good lesson in that because I think the one thing TikTok has that a lot of other apps don't have is like that sense of virality. Is like I learned pretty early on with doing TikTok was like there were a couple times where I had a video that was too successful that I just took down because I felt too many people were watching it. Like I didn't mean for it to. I didn't mean for 50,000 people to see it in an hour, you know? Right. And so, like, I had to now construct, how am I going to talk about this so it doesn't become super viral? Like, I don't, I, you know, in some ways, I've tried to take a step back pretty intentionally. And And now the way that I go about content creation is I just kind of, like, let things go out in the world. And, you know, once I make a video, then I'm just not part of it. I don't go to the comments. I don't, like super interact with people after that like i just let it sit and people can you know say what they want interpret it as they want and i don't need to like defend myself but i think it's all just part of like learning learning your social roles on the internet and i think like that's uh, that's also something i don't think we've like totally reckoned with is like how psychologically impactful The, the internet age has become on us. Like I know we talk about like kids being on the internet and and like both of our opinion is like just like you should not have a social media account if you're 14 years old. Like there's only bad things can happen at that point. And I think also with like
1: beyond that, like adults that put like their children, children,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah, it's like what you should not be allowed to do this. Um, So yeah, how are you comfortable? I think it's this broader topic which. This will be a future podcast episode on on something, but freedom has not been the greatest thing that we have. Like, the, the our ability to just post whatever we want right. isn't necessarily a good thing, and I think I've really reckoned with that as I've grown my audience and just kind of how it's changed my mindset and how it's changed the way that I view things and stuff, so... It's just a weird, yeah. weird well, consideration.
1: Our next topic is what are my views of your influencing as an outsider? Yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure you've heard kind of the tone that I have, <laughs> which is that it's terrifying. I don't know how you and like the friends that you have made that are also influencers, no matter like how big or small their account is, I don't know how any of you do it.
0: We have a very different... Way that we handle social media. I'm like,
1: not a social media person. Mm-mm. My Instagram account that I use approximately once every three months is just for birds. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You
0: don't like posting about me. You don't like posting really about hardly no, anything. because that's
1: my information for me to have. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: and now I have this large platform to post daily I'm very daily vlog. pro
1: people sharing their experience But I'm just not one of those people that feels (laughs) drawn to share my experience.
0: Yeah. And it is kind of funny that we have just like the terminally online versus offline. Which is actually not even true because we spend a pretty equal amount of time like on social media. I just don't
1: participate in social media. I think it's terrifying. I think it's too personable. I I will
0: also say the thing that you hate most about my social media usage. Like the big negative quality is you hate... I don't even know what you're going to say. How many notifications I get.
1: Oh, it's dumb. <laughs> the Turn them all off.
0: <laughs> you also hate how many I, messages okay, I get.
1: I don't use social media, <laughs> and I have my notifications off. Yeah. I don't, my phone, I get notified when someone calls and when someone texts me. Those are my only notifications.
0: Yeah, and I get 300 notifications a it's day. It's dumb. Yeah. And it's, I have most of them turned off, but that's still like what comes through. No, you through. don't. <laughs>
1: It's too many. No one needs to be notified that many times a day. Yeah. Or just to have them on your screen, it makes me anxious.
0: You also don't want people to, like, access you. Like, you, no. like you don't want me posting your stuff or, you know, reposting your stuff to, like, grow your audience. Because, like, you don't really care for people to be observing your life no. or your thoughts or, you know, that type of stuff. And There I, was
1: a point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to use social media to, like... <laughs> I don't know, to express myself, but also, like, to see if I can connect with anybody. That lasted about three weeks. Yeah.
0: And then didn't you delete that account entirely? And I've then deleted just started my
1: Instagram a, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Or I go through and I delete a lot of posts.
0: Well, and part of starting your own, like, little I business just, is you've found the social media component to be, like,
1: oh, yeah. insufferable. Like yeah, now that I'm having to, like, post Posting and create art, and stuff. I... It's not, I don't know. I, there was, of course, the, like, original shock of be like, oh, people have to, like, see my art now. Which I think is, like, alarming for anyone that creates something. <laughs> yeah. But, like, now when I got over that, now it's just like, oh, people have to know, like, what I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want people to know what I'm working on. I don't want people to know what I think is cool. People don't need to know
0: that. <laughs> And I have to share... My little thoughts Your, like, about books. You're like living
1: experience. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a very just different just, way that we have handled. Whereas,
1: like, I can appreciate the art <laughs> of sharing. Uh-huh. I think it's nauseating.
0: <laughs> but somehow we've we've made this work. It's it's been it's been good. Um, the final topic we have for today, as as we have for about the last.
1: Now that I've convinced everyone, fifty
0: minutes we've just shit talked social media. <laughs> What is what is the last topic?
1: Okay, well now that I've said it's nauseating to share things. Yeah. Why do you think people should share things? <laughs> yeah. Why do you think they should get out there and talk about books specifically?
0: Yeah. So why do I think people should be in the book talk space or the book Instagram space or, you know, book Twitter or whatever? I think it's a nice way to have the internet. As as much as there are some downsides to it, I think the internet as it stands, there's very few communities that I view as like kind of a positive. And the book space, by and large, I think is mostly a positive space where you can find people. I think it's so
1: approachable, too. Yeah,
0: it, I, there's not a huge barrier for entry. Um, and I think reading is such a healthy habit that I have found in my life that I think people spending a little bit more time with their own reading but also
1: well can i also say now that i've talked about how much i hate sharing i think that people shouldn't be intimidated by how little they read either oh yeah because i absolutely. think because i've thought about doing like a, just essentially a parody of your account because i read I'm, I'm happy if i read 15 books a year yeah and i think it would be great if i had a bookstagram where i talked about the same book for a month and a half
0: which, I think it would be adorable. I think that would be super valuable uh, and like that's not a joke. I think like more more people should like
1: reading a sane amount of books should be normalized.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Cuz I think I it's really I I think reading is really healthy. I think talking about these concepts that we're reading about and spending time also with readers is a really good thing. Like I think that's one thing Um, that I've really enjoyed about. Well,
1: I think of it too, it's like if you're sharing how little you read, you're just making the space more accessible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's just, I've found some really genuinely good friends in the book space.
1: So I'm not going to do it, but you should do it.
0: (laughs) Yes. You the people. You the people. I really do think, and I don't think you have to follow anyone's example. I think if you want to make it all aesthetics, then you make it all aesthetics. And I think if you want to make it all talking to camera, you can make it all talking to camera. But I do know most of the people listening are probably spending their time online doing something. And I think books is a good thing. You know, I think it's like a healthy way to approach the internet and build good friendships. But also I don't know. I think there's just It's almost a safeguard. Like the the I got into the book space, and instead of being in the healthcare space, like with influencing, I don't have to just inundate myself all of the time with uh, people's traumas. But about how the system is traumatizing us. Like when I get onto Bookstagram and I just look at people's feeds, I just see people reading like unbelievably smutty books, and I can picture their lives as just like people enjoying themselves. Am I
1: allowed to shout someone out on here? Sure, yeah. Hungry Rye. Yeah. I love, like, how much they read and how, like, serious books they read. And then then they're just like, I read some monster smut. (laughs) Yes, I'm like, yes.
0: Yeah. And Hungry Rye was the very first episode where we talked about state and revolution. So, yeah, we're going to talk about communist stuff, me and Mariah. We're also... I'm also going to listen to, like, some rants about monster fucking. And I think that's a great thing, too. So...
1: Tell us about your smut that you've read. Yeah,
0: I think I think people should talk about these things. And like like I said, if you have to spend time on the internet, the book space is it's pretty... It's a cute one. It's a cute one. It's a comfortable one. It's, you know, the judgment that goes around it is always pretty ridiculous, and you can mostly just ignore.
1: Also, how cute that you can get friends that way because you both are reading books. Yeah. That's an adorable thing. Yeah.
0: It's just nice. I like I I've loved having book friends. Um and that's like the one book thing.
1: Friends.
0: The one thing that uh it's been it it is hard to find a lot of people in real life that love reading. Well, I think so the fun thing too is like fine. you've
1: had made so many like other influencer friends who are reading fiction. You know, you're not just limited to like people who are doing like the same thing that you're doing.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean like the majority of mutuals that I like really appreciate we don't read more than like three of the same books in a year and yet we have so much shared experiences with creating online and talking about books and and thinking about books as often as we do and um yeah so as much as like I said as we've talked about the negative qualities of becoming an influencer and sharing thoughts and opinions online there's also Also, just a comfortable part of it too that i think I is think,
1: like in the comfort of it i wouldn't necessarily like if i were to do what i said i would do yeah and like talk about like my little book once every like month and a half it wouldn't be good like i wouldn't have well-rounded reviews but it would be fun and it'd be accessible yeah
0: i mean in some way i don't think i'm a spectacular reviewer there I are some I'm, people who are really good some people are so much better than i am like
1: professional level good yeah
0: and you'll find those people, but you're also gonna find a lot of people that just that honestly, they just like taking pictures of books. And like that alone Ooh, yeah. I could pretty take cool pictures of books. Which is why I have more than once tried to convince you to take over my Instagram like picture stuff. I know, like, can I you would just, do it? If
1: you left could, me a pile of books, books, just I go would take do pictures of,
0: You've done it before.
1: I have and I'll do it again.
0: <laughs> so um if if my Instagram feed suddenly becomes a lot more really aesthetic book pictures, just know. Because I
1: won't do my own social media.
0: But be <laughs> you'll do mine. I'll be in the comment section. I'm a ghost. I did not take those.
1: Ghost influencer. <laughs> ghost poster. Ghost poster. Ghost poster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this was just a fun little thing that we could do on this hopefully holiday it weekend. Was fun. Yeah, hopefully it was fun. Uh, But we'll be back next week with Cinema Speculation with Max. We're going to be talking about the book by Quentin Tarantino, but also uh, mostly not talking about that book, and we're mostly going to be talking about movies. So hopefully you enjoy the little detours that we're taking on this podcast. This is really just a passion project of mine, and I'm just doing kind of what I think is fun week to week. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope uh, this wasn't an annoying rant session but go
1: start a bookstagram
0: go start a bookstagram i think i think you'll have a lot of fun so anyway thank you everyone i'll see you next week
1: bye